Hey guys, this is Thomas from Camelot. This is Taylor Washington from Paladin. This is Brittany Slays from Unleash the Archers. This is Nora from Battle Beast. Hi, this is Mark from Dragon Force, and you are listening to the Great Metal Debate Podcast. Inside, I'm Hey Headbangers, the podcast is back with another amazing artist interview. We are here with Floridian Power Metal Maven Seven Kingdoms. Guys, thank you all so much for joining the Great Metal Debate. We're happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So, speak with you, Canada. I've got the whole crew here. The last time that you and I spoke was back in 2017, just prior to the release of Decennium. Would you and would all of you have believed if I told you the band would weather a worldwide pandemic and then get picked up as support with the hottest metal tour in North America? Uh... I don't know what I would have said about the pandemic, but I would have hoped that the Hottest Metal Tour would have at least picked up by now. Like, especially if the pandemic didn't happen, then it would have been a four-year difference. So it was like, man. <laughs> so I'm happy that we have the pandemic as an excuse, actually, for some downtime. <laughs> was it downtime for you guys? or how, I'll kind of talk a little bit about how you spent that time. Um, so we actually got um, chickens. Um, I worked in uh, Publix during the pandemic, so that's a grocery store. So I got to witness all the zombies. Um, I got to witness all the fights in the toilet paper aisle and the fights over fried chicken. That was pretty pretty awesome. I witnessed a lady pull a knife out on customers, so I, I got to, to witness the best part about COVID and all the crazy you know shenanigans that happen with panic. Um, but we, we got chickens, and then we started writing music. So I just feel like um, I got to witness a whole lot, and I still got to write music. And I think it was amazing that during that period, our fans still supported us through our Kickstarter. <laughs> How about you guys? Yeah, we did a lot during COVID, actually. Actually, well, we, did, we did the goat rodeo, right? Yeah. That was like kind of a start of it. And then um, we got a bank of songs written and almost ready to go, so we got a lot of practice in. And All Kevin and I did were lift weights the entire time. <laughs> well, I was going to get to that, that last evening when you all hit the stage, and I want to talk about last evening's show, I was a little scared that you guys were going to stop and make the crowd like start doing crunches and push-ups. Like, you guys are in great shape. I feel a little like I gained 19 pounds over COVID, definitely, but you guys put on 19 pounds of muscle mass each, I think. Yeah. I mean, we, we, like, I mean, well, Kevin and I, well, all of us actually had moments where we were really heavy, so, like, we just, we, the time it takes to get that much weight off, you have to do it for, like, almost over a year of, like, super strict, like, discipline, so, like, when you get done with that, you, it, you don't want to lose it, and, but it's a, it's a habit at that point in time, you know what I mean, so it's just, like, I mean, but I put some weight on during COVID, like, but it turned into strength, you know, differently, but... I mean, you can say the same or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you you bring the guns last night. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, yeah I lost uh, 135 pounds uh, 
from 2015 to 2016. Um, and then that's around Basically the time. You lost me. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, and that's that's around the time when I kind of fell in love with fitness and you know working weightlifting. Out yeah. or weightlifting, I guess. Yeah. I just it became my second passion next to music. So yeah, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and watching them do it. I mean, it's been. I mean, it's been pretty damn inspiring, you know. So they got me into it, um, what was it, about six months ago when I started going yeah, to the gym with y'all. So I still got a lot to go, but, you know, just having them in the band and Sabrina in the band, having healthy people <laughs> in the band is just, it's, it's a good inspiration just to be healthier, and I felt great since I've been doing it. So. Well, you showed a lot of energy last night uh, behind the drums. You guys headlined day one of Mad with Power Fest. I was in the crowd, and I felt the energy. Uh, how did you guys feel like being on stage last night? I, it seemed like, from my perspective, you all just had joy in your performance. Yes, 100%. I, I felt like... Um, before the pandemic, there was this weirdness where people just kind of weren't appreciating music as much, and it was and it goes both ways. It was who was playing and who was watching. I feel like we we kind of all took for granted what we were doing, and then you know, like Ty is so awesome to give us this opportunity. I am so thankful for it. Um, he is like a force to be reckoned with, and I. Um, I, I really appreciated being given that opportunity to be on that stage and perform just because it was magical for me. <laughs> it kind of just felt like everyone was just loving it, you know, and you could really feel in the room there was like, I'm so happy I'm at a show, and I'm so happy I'm performing at a show. It was, it was just wonderful. You kind of jumped ahead to one of my further questions uh, about Ty Christensen. He runs this fest, puts on an amazing fest, one of the best in North America, in my opinion. From an artist's perspective, can you guys speak to what it's like going to a show where you know that the setup is going to be right, all the arrangements behind the scenes are proper, and you can just really focus on your performance? Um, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, Ty is doing a really good job, but I mean, the he prepares as professionally as the best professionals like you know in the advancing process and this and that the one thing that really like got me wasn't even like i mean if when you when you advance properly and you're nice like everything usually works you know what i mean because you know what everybody's coming in with and it's organized before you even show up the big thing is the scene that he's been able to craft with the the aura and the like the kind of feel that just the the day has like when you actually are there there's a a, a total vibe with like the video game pinball like i didn't expect it but like it's it's got it's it's gonna have its own little click if it already hasn't had it like easy into the future yeah. and it's, it's a joy like it's really like it, it, it was it everybody's mood is lifted up so all the shows are just going to be better if everybody's in a better state of mind you know yeah i'm just i'm just ready to watch him blow up <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely uh, blew us away I think with his hospitality and just everything he has yeah. yeah just positive as soon as we got to his house we were staying and it's just been positive all the time he's just he's a he's a He's a smart dude. He knows what he's doing. Right? Yeah. Well, and I think he's representative of kind of the whole culture here that he's created where you've got a lot of people who just want to help out artists. And I know you guys had a sponsor that was assisting you guys to be here. And, and again, what what is that? Obviously, you're all appreciative of fans who just enjoy the music. But what about fans who go a step beyond that and, and actually actively support you and help you take that next step? I mean... 
there wouldn't be a lot of I mean a lot of opportunity even for bands even much bigger than we are wouldn't have the opportunity if it wasn't for fans going a step beyond I mean you you get fans going a step beyond for Camelot Symphony you know what I mean any band that's there is going to have some sort of uh, people that really take that extra step be it a fan family member uh, uh, friends you know what I mean that don't even necessarily listen to you but just like you want to see you do well you know what I mean um, that's going to any band that's up there or is still there and able to do this is going to have some sort of base that's uh, a supplementary thing that, other than just a regular core fan base you know what I mean and it means the, the smaller you are the more it means <laughs> you know what I mean so uh, I mean it's directly like uh, proportional to how, how big you are pretty much how much it means pretty much but uh, I mean I know that uh, uh, it was Kyle and then Datis Datis has been a follower of us ever since like our first record because I joined the band yeah pretty much yeah as soon as we got Sabrina like he was there so I mean it's just like he's been for years he was he had Womfest I think and uh, he was trying to get us to display what was it? That was a uh, Warriors and Metal Fest, yeah. And he had that thing going on. Um, and it's it's nice to see someone who did kind of a festival thing team up with like Ty, just as a you know what I mean, just because it's it's the inner like underground community of the power metal people. You know what I mean? It's just like especially North America, it's not as like profound. You know what I mean? But like I mean, it's there's a there's a community here, like for sure. And that's what it kind of boils down to. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't note that since you and I spoke last, Camden, you all you all released an independent EP, Empty Eyes. One of you speak to kind of what the thought process was about releasing that material at the time. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll do the business part of it first, I guess. But the, uh, I mean, so we uh, Na- Napalm actually. So when we signed at Napalm, they actually re uh, what's the word? They licensed from Decennium back. Okay. So it was more of a like we don't have these co- these CDs available. We need someone to print them, and we found a home kind of thing. So we didn't really take a uh, we didn't take a, a forward move with Napalm. We found a home for our other records kind of thing. So that way they can just print them. They're available there because otherwise we, I would ha- I would be on the hook for like eight or eight, ten, eleven, twelve thousand dollars to reprint all of them. Whereas they can do it and I will just buy them as I need them kind of thing you know what I mean and uh, it stays there for a while which is fine and it helped the, that deal helped us do uh, financially with the Evergrade tour at least just to get that done um, but then when we uh, they, they wanted to they wanted to look at the uh they asked us to deliver demos for like a possible release and then I you know knowing what the Decennium Kickstarter did like I told them I was like dude like we don't <laughs> Like, we didn't sign a record with you coming up, so, like, if you can't match this in, a, in advance, like, I can't I can't do it. Right. And then they couldn't do it, so we ended up just essentially releasing the demos that we had as an EP because we had already done a kind of a test drive with the EP before Decennium, and that was to kind of get a little extra press. You know, it, it, it's the, 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 the model there is to, like, you get more traction out of the same amount of songs. So you get two pressings, regardless if it's an EP or an album, you get two physical vinyl that we get to sell, you know what I mean, with the same amount of material. And then, you know, we did Stormborn Bloody Meadow on In the Walls, where that's the only place you could get them on the vinyl, you know what I mean? So that, I think Napalm put those on the Napalm versions of the Decennium copy, but but regardless, that's what we did. Um, and it, it worked out really good, you know what I mean? I mean, we, we raised it, we did a music video for every single song, um, and uh, 
it was, we just went back to Kickstarter because that's where the money was. It's just like, you know, it's just like you still have to provide a record label the record. And then your business starts with them. But, like, how does the record get made? Like, there's thousands of dollars in costs just to get the record made. And it's just like, like we the band shouldn't ever have to be on the hook for that at a certain point. And that's kind of the model that we've been on. And we, we and the Kickstarters have done it for us. So, it's like, it's a hard model to get off of because the money's there. It's just the only things that we need now is a little bit uh, more creative and uh, not really creative, but a more of an in-depth reach to Europe and a creative way to get out there that's not... Basically a big push. Yeah, 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 just like a, a, a push from either... We need to meet some... I, we have to do a lot of shopping when we get home, basically. Because we have to set up distribution, basically, in Europe for the new record because we're going to release a new record in the spring, so... Well, I enjoy the material. It included a cover of Hearts Barracuda. And then more recently, you guys released a single version of The Boys of Summer yeah. that you all included on last night's set, yeah. which I was shocked to hear. What inspires turning your hand at metalizing and putting the Seven Kingdoms mark on like mainstream or classic songs like those? Um, yeah. well, I was going to say, I think if there's something... I mean, specifically The Boys of Summer, it's just such a... It's such a great classic hooky song, and just being able to just put our own kind of stamp on it, make it a little heavier, a little bit, just put our flair on it. Really, it's just like something really, like for me, like deeply gratifying about just like because the song resonates with me. So being able to just kind of, you know, like I said, put our own stamp of approval on it, it's just like it's really it, it came out really well. I think it was like easily the best cover we've ever done. Yeah, that we've only done. I think so, yeah. I guess. And we don't we don't do a lot of covers, so you know we try and do pick songs that are. I actually don't like doing covers. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Kevin and I are like the most anti-cover people possible. I but don't, I don't mind doing covers because yeah. I love singing yeah. karaoke. Anything, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it helps the uh, the reach. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of pe- even in the comments of that that YouTube video, like it's, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I searched Boys of Summer, ha. we beat YouTube and Don Henley for the uh, the thing for that because oh. yeah. Yeah, 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 so uh, so now when you search Boys of Summer, it pops up. So um, there's a lot of people who search Boys of Summer, and it comes up, and that's because the, it that resurfacing on the radio one, now. I, there's a, like one or two comments where it's like, oh my god, like this is one of the like heaviest songs I've ever heard. It's like they don't listen to metal at all, but it's like it's the first time they've heard a gallop because you know, or an overdriven guitar because they just so happen to triple on it on YouTube, and that's kind of what the purpose is for us. That allowed us to do it was it, it was more of a, a reach thing you know what I mean if it, does it does Sabrina sound good on it do we like the song can we metalize it can we and, it? and will the people appreciate it is it, is it popular enough to where but still keeping yeah. time true to, yeah. to the original I, and I'll say I was shocked to hear it but I thought it fit seamlessly with the set list like it, yeah. it, it seemed like it should be there when you played yeah. it it's, it's our song at the end of the day you know it's like I like Don Henley is like one of the best like I, I, every song that he's ever done is just good. He's just, he's immensely talented, and, like, I hope if you ever heard it, like, I know he's got that, you know, big, like, you know, he wants to protect his music. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, like, like we don't, we don't, we don't collect, we don't want to collect any money from his song. It's just the, the ability to be able to perform it, and, like, I just feel like it's a damn good song, and, and sometimes it's kind of nice to reintroduce a song like that to a newer crowd, because a lot of people don't realize that that song even exists until we play it. So, because there's so much music in the world that not everybody knows it, and then once they hear it, they're like, oh my god. 
Are there any other cover songs maybe you guys jam out in practice that fans would be shocked to uh, hear about? We we are uh, well. We sold the cover on the. Uh, we'll pick the cover song on the last uh, Kickstarter. So uh, we're gonna end up. What was it? Yeah, the reason. Whatever. What was it? What was it? Oh, I hate myself for loving you. Uh, yeah, that it's a. Uh, what was it? Is that is it Pat Benatar? Is it Pat Benatar? Joan Jett. Joan Jett. Yeah, yeah, Joan Jett. Yeah. Joan Jett's uh, I Hate Myself for Loving You. So you're going to hear Keith. Do, do, da, do, do, da, do, da. Yeah, we got to find a Harley. I got to get a black hair wig for Sabrina. <laughs> a leather jacket. Yeah. I have yeah. a leather jacket. I just yeah. Besides that, we don't really play a lot of covers. So I sing really a lot it. of covers. Yeah, Sabrina knows more about. Sabrina that. actually, has, Sabrina's got the uh, like a, a, a small cover gig on some Thursdays. Cool. Um, where she does a, I like was a piano. Prepared duel. for the tour, so it was nice yeah. to like sing and well, just be in the environment. Three hour set, if not more. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's in your old local town. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's at Cafe Da Vinci's. It's just a really cool um, bar slash venue in downtown Deland. And there's like right across the street. There's like all kinds of restaurants. There's a brewery right down the street. There's someone that makes mead and all kinds of chocolates. So it's like in a perfect little area. Well, let's get to what's coming next. A few days following Mad with Power, you all are heading out with Unleash the Archers and Aether Realm for a tour that is literally selling out venue after venue across North America. Like, has the gravity of that hit you guys yet, or does it just seem like a fantasy? No, it's a fantasy right now. It's a total fantasy. Until I get the text message. I'm supposed to be, I'm teaming for the whole thing. Like, that's what I do on the side, too, is I I do the road management finances and stuff for, like, much bigger bands that can afford someone like me to just deal with their bullshit basically (laughs) um but like yeah like so like i just i i'm i'm not i'm not like it's a fantasy until i get them to message me as soon as they get through customs on the 31st (laughs) so yeah yeah. no but i mean it's just like i'm i'm like 90 percent sure they're going to be fine they've done the right paperwork they're flying in from canada so it's not like they're trying to cross because the land borders i think are the ones that are messed up right now and uh, Immortal Guardian's drummer is from Canada, and he had to just fly through, so he got through. So like, but they they said that was a pain in the ass, just the amount of paperwork that he had to do because of the pandemic and stuff like that. But the thirty first, I'll have a one level of the fantasy is becomes real, and then after the show, after the first show is completed, and like we're loaded out. Like I'll have that like yeah, it's like that kind of holy shit. Like I don't know, I'm already there after last night. I was just like I if if that's how the audiences are gonna be every single night, I am one hundred percent excited for it because the energy in that room was like like I said, magical. I enjoyed it and just having everybody just be like so happy was a wonderful environment it's, to perform in. It's tough to play in front of either a crowd that doesn't care or a small one like and I mean we've done our fair share of all of that <laughs> but no I mean we're especially us I mean, I'm not sure if it's a flaw or if it's a strength or maybe both at the same time but we the more energy that we can give the crowd that we receive back it's like a, it just it's like a reaction like a fusion reaction it just keeps going and building and building and building and building throughout the entire set kind of thing um, so like we really feed off of like a, you know the crowd responding kind of thing and then, like, I mean, I mean, personally, I just know that if, like, you don't get it, it's just like, oh, okay, it's worked, it's worked now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. trying to work. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How, how about you guys? I want to make sure I get you all your, like, oh, just yeah. your thoughts about like this tour because it's, I mean, oh, it's no. pretty damn big, man. Yeah, and I'm, it's, I still haven't grasped how big it is yet. I don't think, but I'm, I'm amazed at how well it's been doing. 
Yeah, I'm just I'm yeah, I'm super stoked for Minnesota. Like that's you know the first date. I'm just ready to like. As soon as that one hits, then it's gonna set in. Yeah, I'm ready to see Minnesota's the crowd. Great. To see how the response <laughs> is, see how the energy is. And, I mean, uh, I I gotta say I am surprised. I mean, I know Unleashed the Archers are a huge band. They're they're really up and coming and blowing up nowadays. So we've been wanting to get on a tour of them for a while now. Yeah. So, so it's just, it's slowly sinking in. <laughs> How many new markets that Seven Kingdoms hasn't played before do you think you'll be hitting? And are there any cities or venues you're particularly excited to play? Atlanta. Atlanta is always Atlanta's the... Been yeah. Power, yeah, so basically, yeah, Prague Power got canceled, but Unleash the Archers still kept their show there, and it's like almost 700 people. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, the new territory. We will have our first shows in Pittsburgh, Rochester, Greensboro. We've played North Carolina, but we never played actually Greensboro. We played Raleigh a bunch of times. Um, Oklahoma City. Uh, actually, no, Albuquerque. We did with Blind Guardian. Um, Mesa. We've never done Mesa. We've always played Tucson. We played Tucson once. No, we played Phoenix with uh, Evergrey. And then uh, Petaluma, which is a new city, but we've always played San Francisco or something like that. And then, yeah, I mean, there's quite a... It's, it's funny because there's a, quite a few new territories, and we're going to be selling out... It's playing a sold-out show in the new territories. So, like, it's just kind of... It's, it's not new territories for at least the archers, um, but for us. So we're, like, I'm hoping that we can make an impression and we can leave with I mean if we could just go back and you know even I mean you can you can like do well with like even just a hundred people coming to see you you know what I mean and like if you can just do that nationally like that's a huge step like you know what I mean like we're, we can do that but it's kind of hit and miss you know what I mean D- depending on where we're at right now but I'm hoping after this like you know, you can have a proper small headlining tour kind of thing. Well, that was a segue into my next question. The last time I saw Unleash the Archers was three or four years back in Cincinnati in a small club. There there probably weren't 50 people yeah, there. that was how it was at the Haven in Orlando when they came through. It's the same tour you're talking about, yeah. And, and so I guess I'm curious, like, to what extent it kind of what, what they've done is a model for you guys. And then uh, a larger level, what does success look like for you all? Like, what, where do you want to be? In a few years. Um, I mean, they, they, I'm not sure. Like, they, they, they have, have better opportunities, and we had some weird misfortunes happen we to a, us. We've had a streak of just kind of bad luck and just wrong place at the wrong time kind of things. Um, yeah, the just people. trusting the wrong people. Like, we had, uh, we've had management fail us uh, financially, unbelievable amounts of money, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it just went through that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, it's a, with this tour specifically, you know, we always take as a big learning experience. So we're going to take and get a bunch of experience on this on and off the stage, um, and that just gets applied every every tour we've ever done. I mean, we were fish out of water that Blind Guardian tour. Like we had these boys hadn't even barely been out of state. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, we were just like basically a local band on the Blind Guardian tour, and then, like four shows in, you're like, oh, like this is how it is. Became a band after yeah, the fourth band. show, 100. Wow. percent Yeah. Wow. I had a panic attack on stage when we were playing. Uh, what was it? The Best Buy Theater or the Nokia Theater at the time uh, in Times Square so it's the same building that Michael Jackson performed in so I was having like a oh I'm in Times Square oh my god I'm gonna die <laughs> so yeah that was I mean, we, I mean it would be really nice to uh, you know like we have like a salary when we come home you know what I mean for being being gone and then you know the I mean the Kickstarters are starting to at least 
pay for the expenses. Like the band's been a kind of uh, self-sustaining monster as far as the expenses, which then the expenses are crazy to do these things. You know what I mean? And self-sustaining itself is a huge plateau to get to. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's a huge. I mean, it's taken 14 years just to get to the point where we can go play with the fun stuff. For an all-original power metal band out yeah. in Florida, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, and like, and I've never. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I never have a. I've dreamed of being a rock star or a famous millionaire. Now. I mean, just paying your bills would be no, nice. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, great. I feel like it's right. I mean, we're kind of like, we feel like we're right there. Like, it's just we've got to have a couple things line up, and it's a feasible reality to, like, yeah. at least, you know, do what we want to do without killing ourselves a little time, you know? Well... Based on what I saw last night, I think the future is very bright. A lot of excitement with this massive Unleash the Arches tour coming up. What does the band have plans for as far as following that tour? And in particular, when can fans expect to see new music, maybe later this year or in 2022? Um, well, uh, we basically have a full-length album recorded. Um, for the most part, we have a couple more, <laughs> a few more things we have to like touch up on and finish. But I think we're shooting for, what, 2020. Like maybe some 2025. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like I want to. Well, we all right. So Kevin and I have to do guitars uh, and all the string stuff um, in October. Sabrina goes to finish uh, vocals, and then we do a little bit of backing vocals uh, the middle of November. We got to tackle bass. <laughs> yeah, we got to. Kevin and I are going to do uh, bass for the first time, and then uh, it's going to be a learning experience. Uh, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, basically, yeah. And then so the middle of November we'll have it mixed and mastered, and then so we'll be sitting on it. Um, we'll be sitting on it uh, in November, basically, or at the end of November. So it'll give us basically December and January to get the artwork and the, like maybe the first or second music video done for it. And then we'll set up the Kickstarter. I'd like to put it out in February or March, the Kickstarter, um, because then I have to leave all April and all May for a couple tours that can't be talked about yet. <laughs> I almost dumped them now. I was like, oh man, I, I could edit. Yeah, but it's just like, uh, yeah, the. Uh, I gotta leave so we're either trying to like tour in March or we're trying to tour as soon as I get home to support the record that'll come out in the spring but as long as we tour like within like that three to four months of it coming out it'll be fine yeah, you know what I mean and it's just like I'd, I'd rather like March still has like February March still has a little bit of snow yeah. you know what I mean up north and especially we would need to go hit Canada at this time because that, that was a big thing that was the only thing that sucked about this tour is we couldn't do Canada yeah. like that would have been a, another complete total game changer like, but there's yeah. always next time. Yeah. There's we could always ask them, you know, if they're doing a a tour or whatever. We like, hey, can we do the Canada thing? Yeah. <laughs> Since we missed that one, <laughs> nice to have some unconquered kingdoms out there for yeah. Seven Kingdoms. We do well in Canada. Like, I just I wish we yeah. could do it. So we need to hit it when we go back. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we're we're we've already we're we're talking with a couple of bands here about. Uh, doing a thing. Doing a thing. So I'm trying to, I've been talking to a couple of people here about their bands and their other bands and their other other bands. And all the bands. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it takes a lot, man. You got to really have. It's it's good when we have a festival like this because we get to see all our friends and the other bands, and then we got to kind of mingle and like you know who's booking you now and do you like him? Is he a scumbag? Da -da 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 -da, or not? Is he awesome? You know what I mean? So it's just like it's nice to talk and you know what I mean and, and network. You know what I mean? It's, Really, the networking is the entire amount of the music industry. So, like, if you can't network, you just should quit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Truer words were never spoken. So final question, what is the best way for fans to purchase music and merchandise from Seven Kingdoms, including the latest release, Empty Eyes? So anything Decennium and back on CD, you can pick up at Napalm, Napalm Records. Uh, the s- soft merch, pretty much just uh, our Big Cartel link, our sevenkingdoms.bigcartel.com, has everything else that you can't get at Napalm. So pretty much it's Napalm or that, that one website link. Try to make it easy. You know what I mean? And just get that one link, that's where you buy the physical stuff. And then if you want to stream, we're available everywhere streaming, streaming, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We actually don't have a website because the amount of money it took to keep that website up, we were just putting into Facebook ads and it paid off more. We get more reach that way. Like, so it was just kind of like, it's never, it was just an expense, like, you know what I mean? All year and... And you'd out. just be sending people to the social media yeah, from the website. Because yeah, yeah. so. we can comment right there. Like, it's just... Yeah. People, people have given us a hard time over not having a website, but I'm like, oh, you, like, you want to pay for it for us? Like, it's fine. To do it the way we want it, you know? technically using Big Cartel, your website? Yeah, I mean, it's a place. Um, so if you do buy something, expect to wait, because I'm going on tour, and I'm the yeah. one who addresses and sends them out. So y'all got to wait. <laughs> well, guys... I had such a great time last evening. You all brought real joy to the stage. I could feel it in your performance, and I'm so excited about the entire country seeing you all live with Unleash the Archers. I know you all are going to kill it and develop a... uh, It'll take you to the next level, I'm sure. So congratulations to you all, and thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you so much.